brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. So anyway, if that squirrel ends up figuring out how to untie that knot, it's really going to ruin our jasmine bush. Oh, hi. I didn't see you come in. Welcome back to We've Got Mail, the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, hold on. Let me get my smoking jacket on. I don't smoke, but I do have the jacket. And uh, my fez. How's that look? Is it all right? It looks, looks swank. And, and my, my yeah. mustache wax. Is yeah, it holding? You look, you look okay. gorgeous, sir. And, yeah. uh, and the musk. What do you think of the odor? Well, you always have a nice musk. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, my name is Winnie Seibold. I am classy AF. <laughs> For the purposes yeah. of this email, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. That's right. And sometimes, uh, we're, sometimes we're fancy. <laughs> not often. But not often. <laughs> no, this is We've Got Mail. Uh, this is our letters podcast here at Critically Acclaimed. You write us a letter. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Once again, that is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or you can send us a snail mail at our P.O. box. Whitney, what is that? Uh, send us an actual physical letter. Uh, put it in an envelope. Uh, address it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, and uh, then we take those letters and we read as many of them as we can uh, while, uh, while responding to them uh, the way we do, which is mm-hmm. perhaps a little long-winded. We could we could give you one-word answers if you wanted, I suppose, but I don't oh, think that's quite why would the spirit we do that? of the thing. Uh, so anyway, we try to get to them as quick as we can. We don't need to dilly-dally right at the front. So Whitney, kick us off. What's our first letter? Our first letter comes from Yuri. Hello, Hi, Yuri. Yuri. Uh, hello, Will and Wit. Why, that's us. Mm. Uh, I've written before talking about movie titles and their translations in Brazil. The other day I remembered uh, another good one, and that is Toby Hooper's The Fun House. Have you seen The Fun House? I have seen The yeah. Fun House. It's, um takes too long to get going, but once yeah, it does, the, it's great. The Yeah, the, the end, like when the monsters yeah. start showing up. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, here in Brazil, the movie is called Pay to Enter, Pray to Leave. Ooh, good one. That's, that would be a tagline here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, it's a good uh, one, though. I like it. Still in the realm of differences, MacGyver's intro in Brazil was accompanied by uh, Rush's Tom Sawyer instead of the original theme song. I don't know. Interesting. Oh, Tom Schwartz. Okay. R- Not- Russia's, Russia's song. The song from, I thought you said like, there was like, was there a famous Russian version of Tom Sawyer R- that had Rush, like a score that I... The, the Canadian band Rush I get it did now. a song called Tom Sawyer. Okay. I, I, that's a good, that's cool. So actually, that's pretty cool. Honestly, that's probably better. <laughs> I know yeah. that's sacrilege to some MacGyver fans I, out there. But. I don't know why Saint, like similar brands have different ingredients overseas. Like, um, that goes to food products, but also movies. Like, there are sometimes uh, regulations, though. Like, there are regulations mm-hmm. in terms of, like, what types of food additives you're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. Europe has more strict uh, uh, mm-hmm. rules about that. So here, uh, here in the United States, we have food that is nothing but additives. Kind of, yeah. There's going to so be less a, food in pe- food People often forward. say, like, hey, why is the food so much better in Europe? Because it's food there. <laughs> because it's not, actual food. It's preservative. There's a, uh, a, here in L.A., you can, get a, if you're, if you can get a Coke almost anywhere. But if you're lucky, you can get a Mexican Coke, which is made with sugar. Instead of corn sweeteners. Yeah. It's so much better. It's so much yeah, better. There's, there's been all these taste tests. Like, people can't tell the difference. You kind of can. No, you can. You really well, if, can. if you get, like, an ice cold one, maybe it kind of covers it well, up a little bit. There's but... also, are you eating something with it as well? Mm. Has it been a long time since you had one? I mean, there might be reasons yeah. why your palate isn't as there sensitive to a... it. But if you have them back to back, you're like, yeah, that's, that one's better. There used to be a taco joint near where we live. It was called mm. Taco Miendo. And they, oh, it, 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 cl- it closed down. They gave you gigantic that, burritos. Oh, my God. Their shrimp burrito had, was the best. And they had uh, sodas imported from Mexico, including mm. Mexican squirt. And mm-hmm. squirt was always my jam when yeah, I was a way kid. Better. Yeah. Squirt and Cactus Cooler were my preferred sodas. God, I miss that place so uh, much. Now let's talk about a re- the real subject of this email. Understood. Uh, we've already gone on a tangent. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, I've rewatched A Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese through, uh, through American cinema and a three-part series. The first time I watched it, it was in the theater, so it was almost a four-hour movie. Mm. In the documentary, he talks about American movies that shaped him in the history of cinema from the silent era until his generation started making movies. Yeah. If a similar project were made today... 
who would you cast in his role? The rules are basically, mm. they can't talk about movies made after they started their careers. They can talk very briefly about a couple, since Martin Scorsese uh, talked about three that were released after his first feature. Right. They have to cover mostly American movies. Uh, and consider that Scorsese covered until the late 60s. He talks about a couple of movies done after this period very briefly. Mm -hmm. They would have to talk about movies made from uh, the 70s onward, respecting the first rule. Who would be your first choice? Okay. Uh, love your show. Sincerely, Yuri. So let me get let me get this straight. We're looking for someone who would host this documentary. Yes. And would speak about movies uh, from approximately, like, the history of cinema to when they started making films. Mm. To give you that sense of history. Interesting. You know, my first thought was actually Spike Lee because he's brilliant. He respects film history. Yeah. He understands film history. But he didn't start making movies all that much after Martin Scorsese did. It was only about 10 years. So we need to add... Well, uh, the stipulation in the letter said the 70s. So, you know... Someone just who made movies in the 70s? Started, started making movies after Scorsese started making Which, movies. I'm just saying, like, the 80s isn't that much far, further after the 70s. I don't know I if we're going to get that entirely different perspective, or that mm. kind of fresh perspective we're looking for. Sure. But Spike Lee would kill it, and you know it. Yeah. He'd be amazing. Well, we we would need somebody who's, you know, well-versed and scholarly about yes. feature films. You do. You do. And uh, you want I'd, someone... But not... Uh, there are certain filmmakers who, like know a lot about the movies they like, but not necessarily about mm. sort of the, the general fineries of cinema history. Yeah. Someone like you, like your Edgar Wrights. Like mm. he, he could talk your ear off about something like the driver, you know, the yeah. movies he's watched multiple times and mm. has remade in his own films. Uh, but I don't think he could like speak to like, well, he, he, a, a American silence. Well, he has good instance. taste. And I have seen like his lists of like the best movies ever and stuff. I think he'd do okay. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think Ryan Johnson could probably do a great job. I know um, mm. he's been uh, pretty eloquent about his influences. And a lot of his influences are things that you wouldn't expect to yeah. influence something like the last Jedi or whatever. And like, he has a really good sense of film history. Uh, and we can only well. do American filmmakers. Can they, we? They, well, they... Because Edgar Wright's British. They said... Well, it's got a history of American cinema. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Edgar, so His, Ryan so Johnson's yeah, so, in the, so the mix. Spike Lee would be Edgar Wright's out anyway. Um, uh, so an American filmmaker. Like a relatively... Oh, I guess a like relatively young American filmmaker. You know what would have been great? Filmmaker. And sadly, he's no longer with us. Is John Singleton. I feel like John Singleton would have done a wonderful job. Yeah, John Singleton would have, yeah. would have been really, really great. Yeah. Um, Gene Campion's Australian. Um. Yeah. yeah, so they're they're out. Jeez, yeah. um, this is uh, this is kind of hard. This is kind of this hard is kind of hard because there aren't. I feel like there aren't enough of the younger wave of filmmakers who feel truly scholarly. Well, about the cinema that they're in. And yeah, or, and even or someone at least, like at least not yet. Like they're still yeah. the, the people well, we're thinking of. There are probably still working on like maybe their fourth movie mm -hmm. or fourth or fifth movie. Uh, maybe they do have deep That's abiding true. knowledge of cinema. We just haven't heard them speak to it yet. That's also a distinct possibility, mm -hmm. but you do want to get someone who, because they're hosting has this uh, imprimatur of quality. Mm -hmm. Scorsese hosting a documentary like this is going to hold a lot more clout than if like Robert Schwenke is, well, you know, so. and like maybe Robert Schwenke is uh, really brilliant when it comes to film history. I'm not a huge fan of his movies, but Schwenke. Okay, whatever. Yeah. He's my point is this. He's not someone who's going to put butts in the seats, and he's mm. not going to be like, ooh, let's find out what he thinks. Like, that's going to be really interesting. Like, mm. he's just, that's no disrespect to him. That's just, he doesn't have that cloud. Yeah. You want someone with cloud. Mm. So, hmm. Yeah, I, I think Spike Lee is, is perhaps a good one. You know, you're, you're getting in an extra 20 years of, uh, of yeah. film history. Yeah. Um, yeah, the people I would think of, you know, somebody like Terrence Malick, he's, he was making movies he contemporaneously making movies with, yeah. with Scorsese. Yeah, uh, I'd be very curious to see what he'd do, though. <laughs> Just actually be that didactic, I can't even imagine. I, I would love to see, um, you'd be surprised at how well-versed a lot of, like, the no-wave grindhouse kind of filmmakers are, like mm. the, the kind of deep-cut stuff they would be interested in. I bet uh, Sam Raimi could speak very eloquently oh, to some sure. certain kinds oh, of movies. Yeah, I'm very, um, very sure he could, yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear what like someone like Frank Henenlotter would have to say. <laughs> but no one would say... Uh, Frank... Oh, no, shit. He might start making movies in the 70s. I just had this gasp. I was like, John Waters! 
Oh, that would have been no, awesome. He, he was making short films like He was, he was. Mondo Trash is like 68. Where are all of our favorites from that era? Um, it's not that well, I have, don't have favorites. Because we've this. been living with them for a while. That's These true. These are like filmmakers whose careers we've seen throughout yeah. our whole lives. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're thinking of the filmmakers that have been present with us a lot. We're not, ooh, ooh. our minds aren't going to the, the filmmakers we were introduced to in the last decade. More contemporaneous with mm-hmm. Spike Lee. They got their start in the 80s. Uh-huh. The Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. Okay. That could be exciting. Right. Journey Through American uh, History with the Coen Brothers. I, I think we'd all mm. watch that. Uh, 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 David Gordon Green Ooh. would probably have some really interesting things to say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, David yeah. Gordon Green uh, didn't make his first movie until, I think, 2000. A first feature take. film. Yeah, George Washington. Uh, so, yeah, George 2000. Washington. So that that would give you a few extra mm-hmm. decades of history. And he's, yeah. he's pretty young. He's only in his mid-40s, I think. Yeah. Um, as, you know, sort of, quote, established filmmakers go. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Jeez. Yeah, who who else are, like, some important filmmakers that, that rose up, like, in the last couple of years? I, uh, Charlie Kaufman, maybe? Uh, uh, I'm not sure if he's considered, like, an important filmmaker. I just think he's an interesting I think, one. I think he's an important storyteller, mm. whether you consider, like, his screenwriting efforts where he didn't direct it no. as the filmmaker. But I think he'd be an interesting voice. Um, he's so distinct, though. I wonder how much of his no. uh, work actually relates mm. uh, to the topic at hand. Um, I'm thinking someone like uh, Jordan Peele is very knowledgeable about film history. He's newer. That's true. As a filmmaker, but he's, he's, he's only directed two features. I guess his third one's coming third out one's coming soon, out soon. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of TV and stuff, but yeah, that's not quite the same thing. <gasps> no, damn it! Started in the '70s. David Lynch. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Lynch started in the in the '70s. Damn it. Damn it, I keep getting these gasp moments, and it's like, uh, no. Linklater started in, like, the late 80s. Linklater would uh, be good, though. Linklater would be good, you think? I think Linklater would be good. I'm I like, I'd love to hear what Linklater would say. Yeah. I'm just trying to wonder if he qualifies. I think qual- if he, if, yeah. I, I think Spike Lee qualifies. Linklater qualifies. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the case. Um, uh, she hasn't made too many movies, but I'd love to hear what Lynn Ramsey... But she's not American. Lynn she's Ramsey's, not American. She's Scottish. No. Um, never mind. Lynn Ramsey uh, is out. Ava uh, DuVernay is very well... Uh, uh, very well read and very knows a lot oh, about yeah. film history. I think that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, she and she's only made a couple features. Only she, made a couple features. She made but... Selma. Well, she uh, that TV series 13th. as well that was very oh, okay. well, uh, very well established. Yeah. That, that uh, won some awards and stuff. I, I missed yeah. it actually. I heard it was great. I saw her, uh, her film version of A Wrinkle in Time and actually. I did, didn't like that movie. That one was. Much. I was looking forward to it because it looked really interesting. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. But I respect that she did something very different. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. I just want to see you do a documentary. Um, hmm. This is interesting. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> let us know. Who's like an important well, newer American filmmaker? Who are the big American filmmakers who you feel are actually like guiding us, not just like mm. to their films or into the future, but are actually helping you explore the past? Mm. Who's doing that right now? I'm actually very curious about that. The, my, the, fr- the person who comes to mind definitely is Ryan Johnson. I feel like Ryan Johnson is trying to put an effort out there. He's making like big, yeah. big blockbusters, but at the same time, like yeah. trying to point a, a young, perhaps younger audience mm-hmm. toward older movies. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, very curious to hear your thoughts. But let's mm. let's move on. And thank you for the interesting question. Right. Uh, here is a letter from Toby. Hi, Toby. Uh, hello, Toby. Um, hi there, Bibs and Rockmeister. My name is Tobias, or Toby for short. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear you call out my name on a previous episode of we got, We've Got Mail. My friend Nikolai wrote to you about our global friend group that we formed while Yay! studying at USC, another member of this friend group, uh, and about my adventure to the South Pole earlier this year. I remember that letter. Uh, I've been home for a little, uh, little over a month and have a lot of podcasting to catch up on, including yours. I simply want to thank you for my birthday greeting on February 4th and, while also, and also give a slight correction uh, to the mail from ne- the mail that Nico sent. Uh, and correcting the two of you on a minor detail. Uh oh. Nico informed you that we had an average temperature of seven degrees Fahrenheit, which is actually actually we had negative seventeen. Ooh. And that's when we uh, and that's when there was no wind. By the time we got to the temperature, uh, get to the. By the time we left, the temperature had dropped to an average of negative thirty-two. Mm. Uh, this might have just been a typo. Who can tell? But uh, let's just never. Let's just say that this Canadian has never learned how to complain about cold weather for the rest of my life. <laughs> and two, uh, you two gents made a common mistake of confusing Antarctica with the South Pole itself. We, okay. We, we did yeah. conflate the two. No, we did. We did. I, I know the difference, did. but I did conflate it's the two. It's a colloquialism, yeah. but yes, we did that. Um, the pole is the, in the center of the continent, yep. but it's more of an independent state, which is why when Bib says, I hope you see penguins, uh, you confused Antarctica, where they live, with the South Pole, where they do not. 
Fair enough. No, there are no penguins that far inland. I guess no, no, that tracks. They're they're aquatic animals. They would no, live no, by the that, water. That that tracks. Yeah. I assumed you would have to walk like travel through penguin country to get to the South Pole. <laughs> you know, at least at least like you know, take a little little bus or something. <laughs> we can't stop here. This is penguin country. There's in fact. Hmm. No, in- there's in fact low intelligent life form in the South Pole at all because it's far too away from any water mouse or food sources. Yep. So when people say uh, you can see penguins on the South Pole because they live in Antarctica, it's like saying you can see sea lions in the Nevada desert because they live in North America. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Well. Whoops. I don't know those 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 desert sea lions are pretty pretty nasty uh, characters. Now that sounds um, like a sci-fi original movie I'd watch. Desert sea desert, desert sea, sea lions. lions. You can just imagine like, rah, like, they're like, it to be like, they're like swimming long, through uh, the dunes, like Scrooge McDuck through gold coins. Oh, there you go. There they, you go. They're like uh, the, the creatures from Tremors. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you because, as I said, it's a common mistake to make. But yes, I did see both emperor and chinstrap penguins alongside orcas, seals, and albatross during our two-day layover awesome. the coast of Antarctica while we waited for a blizzard to subside. And yes, Bibs, penguins are adorable until they steal the fish you've caught in your fishing net and then they peck you for trying to take it back. <laughs> to be fair, that was the penguin's fish. It like it was it it left like, it in the water for you, later. You borrowed the penguin's fish. It was yeah. just taking it back. Yeah. You, what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you live here? The penguin lives here. That's I like that's like going into someone else's house and making a sandwich and being mad when they eat half of it. Like it's their sandwich. You just showed up. I'm kidding, uh, of course. I'm sorry about your fish. Uh, I, I do uh, appreciate the fact that penguins have no uh, mm. land-bound predators. Yeah. So if you walk up to a penguin, it's not going to be afraid of you. It's, yeah, you're not. Nothing... You're clearly not a predator. Yeah, there's there's no a thing. Pre- like yeah. sea lions or seal seals will jump out of the water and eat a penguin. Yeah, but they're in the water. But yeah, so they stay away from yeah. the water. They're careful around the, the seals. Yeah, I love penguins so much. Uh, but like I said, thank you for the birthday greeting and the downloaded episodes of your podcast alongside other great film review podcasts such as Mark Kermode, Linoleum Knife, and others. Really made It really made the trip more enjoyable, particularly during the three days when I was quarantined in my room without any lights because I got hit with photokeratitis, also oh known as snow blindness. Wow. Have you ever wondered what it feels like to get a sunburn on your eyeball? <laughs> That's oh my God. the answer. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it's, that's wild. I've, um, I've I've heard about that, but I never know who actually had it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's one of those things you, you read about in elementary school. Yeah, like yeah. there's your adventure novels mm-hmm. or something. Or, or I think Inspector Gadget had that one. So Caritas. Yeah, uh, I really did have a wonderful trip, and I'm also glad to be back home with my girlfriend and see my family again. It was, however, sad that my laptop decided to crash the day before I left for the trip, and thereby lost a lot of your previous episodes that you made with Podcast One and no longer have in your inventory. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's what happens. And Sorry on a final that. note, I agree with you. Morbius is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to come back to Morbius. Yeah. That's, that's but rough. but this is the summer of Morbius. Uh, thank you again, and me and you may hear from me again someday. Sincerely, Tobo, Toby, aka former Antarctican. Well, that's really cool. That's super cool. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Sorry, we conflated uh, Antarctica with the South Pole. It's like uh, it's a layperson thing. It's well, like it's, when it's, it's like when uh, you go to the doctor and you yeah. and they they talk about your lungs, but you say your throat. A lot of lay people, like, they don't realize that there's a difference or they don't, like, it doesn't well, really matter in casual well, I, conversation, I think, um, but a doctor knows that it matters I, to them. I, and, I do know that know. the South Pole is the pole. It's, yeah. the, you know, the actual, you know, south southernmost part of the planet. Yeah. And yeah. There's also I geographic also that, south and, like, magnetic South Pole. Aren't there, like, two poles, mm-hmm. technically? There's one, like, actually at the bottom of the hemisphere, but there's also one that's magnetic, which is a little different. I, I, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I'd have to... That's something I knew in the fifth grade and don't know anymore. Uh, but... Um, Yes, I know that that is just sort of the southernmost point, whereas Antarctica is indeed an entire continent, and it covers a lot more than just the South Pole. It's, yeah, it was um, not me making a mistake. It is was me just sort of using common layperson, yeah. ig- not even ignorance, just sort of inaccurate uh, kind of language. But regardless, uh, thank you for correcting us, because we don't like spread ignorance. I mean, we, yeah. it, it, it's, it was an honest mistake, but education is more exciting than ignorance, mm. I think. So thank you for correcting us. Thank you for making sure everyone listening knows the difference now. We apologize. Uh, sorry, sorry about your snow blindness. That sounds like yeah, such a rough gosh. few days. My God, I'm glad you're better. Um, glad, glad you had some podcasts yeah. to sort of keep your ears entertained. Anyway, yeah, the Antarctic is such a fascinating place. Mm. There's a there's an anime I, I watched for a while called um, 
A Place Further Than the Universe, which was an anime series about a group of teenage girls who were saving up to go on an expedition to Antarctica, like to be part of one, like as like interns. Um, mm. And it was really, it was actually very like peaceful and mm. sweet, you know, just sort of just, it's just about like that kind of distance between you and the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and then of course there's shit like Whiteout, which is like the first murder in Antarctica. <laughs> oh God. Can Kate Beckinsale uh, save the day? I didn't see the manga with the, ma- the the or the manga. The comic book's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I, the uh, the the movie sucked. I know that uh, they they cat cased Kate Beckinsale in yeah. the role. I think I think they'd written it for a, a male actor. Well, in the comics, was a woman. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Maybe they didn't. I know that when they cast Kate Beckinsale, and I think she said this in an interview that they actually mm. wrote her a, a scene where she can like take a shower. Just so they could get some like yeah, cheesecake in this like our, our Antarctic thriller. It's like yeah. really you're just gonna you're gonna sandwich that in there. Yeah, that's how they do. That's mm. how they do. It's embarrassing. And, um, and Kate Beckinsale's like, uh, you're okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine. I've been working out. Like she, she's just you know, well, proud, c- proud c- to kudos show for her for being yeah. a professional about it. But mm. Kate Beckinsale's a brilliant actor and deserves better. Yeah. Um, uh, I I was gonna uh, recommend Encounters at the End of the World. Did you ever oh, see that one? It's uh, the Herzog I, documentary. I did a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's mm. a documentary about people who live at the South Pole and how yeah. there's actually a lot of people there and there's a lot of action and yeah. you know there is there is a scene where people are walking through a, a flock of penguins yeah. to get to you know the next leg of their journey I'll always remember uh, the movie AVP Alien versus Predator where they say oh, we, have to go, we have to go to the we have to go to the most isolated place in Antarctica. Mm. Yes, the first place furthest away from anything else. And then they get there and there are buildings. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, it was like an old whaling village that had been... Uh, still! <laughs> abandoned a long time how, ago. It's like, how abandoned? How... how this well, like, the, what the? In that movie, they, they find this abandoned village and they also find like a Pepsi bottle cap from yeah. like later than the, yeah. the age of the village. Which means, like, people had come and also plundered that village. Yeah. So people are had it's gone not that, back it's at not least that, once. It's not that isolated. Mm-hmm. It's like it's pretty isolated. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely more isolated than like, you know, mm-hmm. Riverside, California, or something like that. It's, it's isolated. It's more isolated yeah. than Barstow, but like, it's not that isolated. There's mm-hmm. stuff. There's stuff there. Also, they go on a also, ride. also, there's a penguin. So again, it can't mm-hmm. be that far in anyway. <laughs> That's what, right. I'm, what I'm basically saying is, fuck you, Alien versus Predator. Yeah, are you what saying a terribly that there, written motion there, picture? There might have been like some weird little uh, some continuity problems, minor and flaws, inconsistencies with a movie like AVP Alien versus Predator. Mm-hmm. The sequel, by the way, the full title of the sequel was AVPR colon Aliens plural mm. versus Predator hyphen Requiem. Yes. That's that's a terrible movie. That's a, oh. Alien vs. Aliens vs. Predator Requiem joins Slender Man as uh, one of the films that is just legitimately hardest to watch. I don't mean in terms of like, ah, it's so painful, it's so bad. I mean, it's dark. Like, they shot it so badly that you can't make out what's going on yeah. on the screen. It's like, we'll make it like super spooky. Like, no, you have to see something. Mm. Otherwise, we're just sort of sitting here in darkness and we're watching a shitty radio play because a radio play would tell you what was going on right now. So <laughs> this isn't helping me as, at all. As the young woman crept through the woods, her vision went black. She yeah, see, see like, yeah. yeah, the radio play, like Rayleigh mm. Perspective is like, ah, over there, ah, ah, and I, stuff. I remember um, in in Morbius, to go back to that, that crappy movie. Please. Uh, during the, uh, there's this big climax that starts like at the top of buildings and it ends up in the, in mm-hmm. like the subway. So, you know, they're kind of falling down. They fall off the building. Uh, they're vampires. They're fun. And, uh. There were, like, two or three, like, one-second shots in that final mm. action piece where uh, the vampires are, like, picking each other up and throwing each other through walls and stuff, and they're yeah. breaking through all this stuff, and there's all this noise and mayhem. There were a few single shots where it was, it, it turned abstract. I couldn't like, know what the hell was going there, on. There was no, it was just, like, this... Just swirling big, stuff. Yeah, swirling uh, bits of, like wood and debris or just sort of yeah. flying through the air and then they would edit yeah. on either side of that so yeah it was just like this one shot where they just filled the screen with yeah. nothing but like even, visual noise even when they tried to like clean it up like there's this bit in the middle where like the cops are shooting at Morbius and he's like ah no don't shoot at me I'll run ah, and he mm. runs and he's not bulletproof by the way not no I mean I guess he, he like he's, survive he's, it but like he's, he's super fast though so he, he like, probably survived it but it would suck the bullets you way, know yeah. um 
There's a bit where he like is like jumping up like some flights of like buildings or whatever mm. like that, and it's all super fast, and you can't tell what the hell's going on. And then it slows down like for like like a kind of like that Zack Snyder speed yeah, ran like, like, like slow and then slow for a few moments and then fast again, and then it goes fast again. And uh, theoretically, that's there to show you what's going on. Still had no idea. I just thought they did it for fun. It wasn't until I saw the trailer again uh. by just chance happened to be on Twitter and I didn't I forgot not to click on it like <laughs> well you know like when they start playing and it's like okay I'll stick with it but I showed that shot in there and I realized oh that was like bullet time you're supposed to be able to see bullets going past him the fucking thing is so frenetic even in slow-mo mm. I couldn't tell what was going on anyway Antarctica moving on <laughs> thank you for emailing us I'm uh, glad to get some more uh, more uh, mm. uh, chapters of that story you know uh, a vampire can pick up and drink a penguin like it's a bottle of Gatorade <sighs> <laughs> no, the big big ones are like like uh, no. super gulps. No, I'm sorry. No, but vampire penguins. Mr. Popper's penguins is my favorite book. Growing up. Mr. Popper's vampire penguins. Okay, now. that is a better book. I'll grant you. Moving yeah. on. Okay. Uh, here's a letter from Paul. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, after inhaling every episode of All Our Yesterdays in the space of a few weeks, Ooh, oh my goodness, are you a lot? Yeah, yeah uh, I just wanted to drop a line and say thanks for your nor- your enormously entertaining insight on Star Trek. Uh, as a loyal listener of Ronberry.com's Mission Log podcast, uh, currently starting Voyager, mm. following a three and a half years on Deep Space Nine, I was skeptical about how much I needed a second chronological Trek recap podcast. Any doubts were swept away with the first episode. Duh. Uh, (laughs) My non-Vulcan ears keep pricking up each time you mention the unmade Trek spinoff set on a medical ship. I keep expecting it to dovetail and to talk about UPN's Mercy Point, which never comes. So please allow me to kick one off. Please do. Uh, Set in a hospital on a space station, the closest we've gotten to that unmade Trek series. It was even teased on UPN with a promo that asked the viewer to think of it as Deep Space Nine One One. (laughs) John Delancey even appears in the unaired presentation pilot. Unfortunately, instead of airing it with uh, Voyager, UPN ran it after Moesha and Clueless and Mercy Point was axed after only three weeks. Oh, well, we can do that on Cancel Too Soon for sure. Oh, yeah. It might be on Crackle. Mercy oh, Point is on Crackle? Yeah, look, well, uh, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying is a maybe. I'm checking it out. Hang on. It's a shame as the show was intelligent and thoughtful and was gradually developing a rich universe. Surprisingly, for a swiftly canceled series, it had a genuine sense of closure at the end. It's currently, mm. on, oh yeah, it's currently on Crackle. Yeah, it's got And Crackle. Plex. And That Plex. presentation pilot is on YouTube. Okay. Uh, and it is well worth your time. Keep on trekking, Paul. That is so up our alley, and mm-hmm. it's weird we haven't done that yet. There's a sci-fi medical series from the 90s, and we just never got around to it. Yeah, what we, are we, stupid? Like, 90s sci-fi is kind of our jam, like, whenever oh, we come across so. one. Even if it's, like, a, like we like Briscoe County Jr. and Legends, uh, which are yeah. kind of the same show. Uh, both good. Both good. I like yeah. both shows. Uh, even when they do, like, The Flash or RoboCop. It's like, those came out at the right time. That's yeah. the kind of showmaking we like. Uh, we haven't gotten to Mantis no, we need to. We'll get it's to Mantis to at some point. We'll get to Mantis. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to Mantis. Oh, we'll get to Mantis. But moving on. Here's a letter from Mina. Hello, Mina. Hi, Mina. Uh, greetings, fellow alumni of good old Pimento U. P.U. P.U. We're all for you. <laughs> yeah, boom. Uh, your recent Iron List about the best Looney Tunes was ever a delight. It left me wondering, what are a few of your favorite non-Looney Tunes cartoons? Ah. Best Mina. P.S. What are the odds you'll do a future Iron List about the best MGM cartoons ever? Uh, probably slim. I'm not nearly as much of an hmm. expert on those. Uh, oh. All I know is that the early Droopy cartoons are some of the funniest things anyone's ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the one in, there's one in particular I want to uh, make sure uh, I give a shout out to. Uh, what was, uh, uh, I'm very fond of uh, a, sh- a droopy short called Wild and Wolfy, mm. where it, it's a western, another western spoof. It's a Tex Avery, um, so it's like just yeah. gag a minute sort of thing. And yeah, it's that uh, the the Tex Avery wolf character that uh, was sort of popularized uh, once again uh, with the movie The Mask came out in the yeah. 90s they started rerunning a lot of those cartoons on cartoon network after that and yeah that sort of like whistling the, the wolf whistle the whistle at the pretty girl who was giving a performance yeah. or bang the table on the on or the chair on the table mm. uh that wolf character is now sort of like the villain in a western and droopy is the hero and it's yeah. just a, a bunch of really like non-stop frenetic gags yeah, the wolf was frequently the antagonist of a lot of droopy cartoons mm. and the idea was usually wasn't even that evil he was just trying to get droopy out of the way but droopy yeah. just won't stop it's like every episode basically every droopy cartoon with the wolf is like the tortoise and the hare but instead Mm. of a race it's they're trying to be matadors which brings me to my favorite Mm. uh which is actually called senior droopy uh which is Mm. where they're competing matadors and it ends with uh droopy uh getting a date with playing herself lena romay 
Oh, uh, <laughs> nice. Which is just an abs- Oh my god, some of the jokes in that one. There's <laughs> just this great joke where the wolf is um, the wolf is hiding from the bull. Hmm. And he like he's hiding behind a wall. And he looks behind the wall, he looks to the left. And you can see like 20 miles in that direction and there's nothing. Hmm. And he looks to the right and you can see like 20 miles in that direction and there's nothing. And he just happily takes one step out. And the bull goes... <laughs> just that's, runs right over. Uh, that's a gag in Wild and Wolfie too. Yeah, he's cro- a good one. He's crossing a road on a horse and he steps into yeah. the road and a truck hits him. Gotta oh, do man. it. Yeah, it's so fucking uh, funny. Wild and Wolfie ends with... Uh, uh, the wolf has kidnapped the, the the pretty cowgirl and is holding her hostage like an old uh, you know mm. uh, like Dudley Do Right uh, yeah. melodrama, and he he ties her to a chair and th- and for some reason throws a sheet over her. It's like you can't see anything. You just put a sheet yeah. over rather than blindfolding her. And he goes out and he he fights Droopy and then defeats Droopy. Locks him outside. Turns around, whips the sheet off, and begins kissing the girl, but it's Droopy underneath the sheet. Right. He's teleported inside. And the, the kiss is really hilarious because he kisses and doesn't disengage. Just like big eyes, still kissing, then really angry eyes, but still kissing, and then breaks off. It's like, wait a minute. Not, ah, who are you? You've been bugging me through this whole picture. And Droopy just says, he says his only line, haven't you heard? I'm the hero. <laughs> Hits him with a mallet, and that's the end of the cartoon. By the way, uh, hold on a second, just to make sure I get this right, too. Uh, I think it's just called Disco Droopy. <laughs> Disco Droopy? Okay, hang oh, on. No. Disco Droopy, which uh, was a part of the uh, Tom and Jerry comedy show, was a later edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would say it came out like 70s or 80s. Uh, Disco Droopy may be the worst cartoon I've ever seen. <laughs> not because it's inept. It is. Mm. Uh, not because it's offensive. It's not. It's, it's, it's just, offensively awful. You it's just me this one once. not yeah. funny. Like there's just nothing about it. There's the music is like nails on chalkboard, annoying. Mm. The animation is repetitive and pointless. The plot is stupid. It takes for it's like five minutes long, and it's eight mm. days. It's so fucking bad. It is such a it is such a a, a demerit. On the history of Droopy, mm. uh, that you just you, you can only be mad at it. Um, See, also, uh, uh, moving on from Droopy, uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons, I find um, some of them have aged poorly. Not some of them are offensive, but most of them are mm. just like they're so violent. It's just like that's not really considered that what, funny anymore. I've I've never been a big Tom and Jerry fan uh, yeah. for the same reason. I'm not a big Three Stooges fan. There's just yeah. too much anger in their their yeah. hatred for each other. Uh, yeah. Tom genuinely hates Jerry. Yeah, it's not. It's and Jerry like is a, mean to Tom. Like yeah, Jerry, Jerry knows it's like cruel, it's, yeah. it's like if Bugs Bunny hated Elmer Fudd. Mm. He didn't just do it because Elmer Fudd was trying to kill him. Like he was just like, no, yeah, today you, I will destroy Elmer Fudd. I, I, it's it's way different from like the the uh, Chuck Jones Roadrunner Coyote cartoons. Yeah, uh, because the Roadrunner is blissfully able to evade whatever that coyote yeah. has planned. The, and the, the Roadrunner is yeah. in no risk of being destroyed, and yeah. the coyote comes about destruction through his own hand. Yeah, the coyote, 99 times out of 100, the coyote, the Roadrunner does almost nothing. Yeah. The, it might go meep, meep, and distra- and startle him, and like that's the most it will do. The Roadrunner has, almost has no agency. The Roadrunner mm. is just going about doing, the Roadrunner just likes to the, run, man. The, the Roadrunner is, is sort of like a nature god. Yeah. And... And the coyote is man, yeah. trying to control nature. You're not wrong. There's a theological parallel. However, there. I will say I will go to bat for one in particular. I'm sure there are more that have aged well, mm. uh, but uh, I think Cat Concerto is great. Is that that's a Tom and Jerry? The Tom and Jerry one. So they won an Oscar for it, I think. Uh, but it was uh, Tom is uh, basically he's playing concerto. He's by a grand piano uh-huh. in front of a big audience, and it's. Uh, Whatever that, whatever that number is. Hungarian Rhapsody number five. I think that's it. And but the problem is, is that Jerry was sleeping in the piano, so Tom isn't trying to hurt Jerry, but he is disrupting Jerry, and Jerry is basically trying to protect his house, and Tom starts trying to attack Jerry with all of like the hammers inside the piano and it's just very mm. very clever and wonderfully well conceived and yeah that one works better than yeah, um, i think most of them do yeah uh, 
Tex Avery did a lot of really wonderful cartoons for mm-hmm. uh, for MGM in the after he left uh, Warner Brothers because of you know basic animosity between right. some of the people he was working with. Um, I'm very fond of Red Hot Riding Hood, who yeah. isn't, uh, which you didn't get That's to see great. on TV a lot just because it's a little too sexy little for kids. Salacious. Uh, salacious. I mean, all, all, those cartoons are all pretty salacious. Uh, you know, it's like Swing Shift Cinderella and uh, mm. other sexy fairy tales besides. I'm uh, fond of a, a cartoon he did called The Cuckoo Clock, which mm. is this weird, this weird sort of like cat versus cuckoo clock living in, like a cuckoo living in a cuckoo clock, but mm. via Edgar Allan Poe, like he's ah. just like reciting it, like that cuckoo is driving me crazy. That's cool. And there's, yeah, uh, cuckoo paints like a bird on its thumb and the, the cat ends up just like shooting off his own thumb. There's a lot of really funny just physical humor yeah. in that one. Uh, there's a cartoon I only just saw and oh, he did, I... Oh, he did The Magical Maestro. Oh, there you go. Uh, I mean, that... That one's tough because it has like blackface and and yeah, like, a lot of these stereotype are, a lot gags of these are in kind it. Of problematic, uh, but um, that's the one that has uh, it's a dog has a has discovered that his conductor's wand is a magic wand, mm. and so he can change the uh, the nature of the person singing. Yeah, there's another dog singing on stage and keeps like changing his costumes with the magical wand. There's a gag in that which is sublime uh, because. Uh, after a while, you know, the cartoon's about halfway over and the, the character's singing on stage and, you know, the char- the other character's sort of, like, changing the outfits. And uh, we notice in the bottom frame, mm. there's there's a hair in the gate, uh, which this isn't something you really see in movies anymore because it's all digital projectors. Yeah. But at the time, when physical film was passing through the projector, yeah. dirt would get in there. Yeah, it sometimes happens. It, yeah, it's, it's a dusty room. It, yeah. it wasn't completely sterile. So, you know, occasionally yeah. there'd be, like, blobs on the screen and you have to get, like, a little... Yeah. A little hair. Blo- a little blower, you yeah. know, kind of blow it out. Or if there's a hair, you just have to wait till the film's over and you can take it out you of the gate. Pluck it, yeah. Uh, they animated a hair into the gate. And it looks real. It's kind of like jerking around the way a wow. hair would. And then the character leans down and plucks it out themselves. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I, um, I like that's that's from uh, um, uh, uh, Magical Maestro. There's uh, I never watched when I was a kid. It was never on. Uh, but uh, I never watched Betty Boop. Oh, it just, it just wasn't on TV. I, okay. I, I, somehow I missed it. I saw, well, I saw a, lot a whole of, bunch of others. I saw a lot of the, Jekyll, uh, but I never saw Betty Boop for some reason. A lot of the old... Well, Betty Boop yeah. was from the 1930s, and uh, a lot of those older cartoons are, are in black and white. And yeah. uh, because of the caprices of the people who were showing us these cartoons on Saturday morning in like yeah. these blocks, they, they'd buy them up from the studios, they only wanted the color cartoons. They wouldn't yeah. show the black and white ones. Yeah. Uh, unless it was like... Steamboat Willie was kind of the only one, yeah. and that's because it was Mickey Mouse. Uh, but yeah, you didn't get a lot of Betty Boop cartoons. A, because they were in black and white. B, they're fucking weird. Those things are like acid trip nightmares. If you yeah. if you can watch the one with uh, Betty Boop, um, Coco the Clown, uh, singing uh, Minnie the Moocher, and it's you know that's kind of a, a little bit of a spooky melody, the Cab Calloway song. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. yeah. It's it's like all these ghosts and weird monster images. That's, I was gonna yeah. I was gonna recommend it because I I finally. Um... Uh, my my partner uh, Michelle, uh, they uh, recommended. I think we watched the Betty Boop Snow White, which has this incredibly animated Cab Calloway number. Mm. I think it does Minnie the Moocher, but um, or, or uh, it's like it's like something Infirmary Blues or something like that. Mm. What? Hold on, what? Yeah. That's the one. Okay, thank you. Michelle was listening. <laughs> uh, absolutely stunning, haunting, eerie animation. So damn cool! You have to see it. Uh, it's it's on YouTube very easily. Um, I had no idea how mm. fascinating the early Betty Boop cartoons were. So I oh, definitely yeah. want to give those that are great. Um, that, those yeah. are um, um, Max Fleischer cartoons. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Fleischer, people don't talk about Popeye enough either. Early Pop- Popeye from the '30s oh, yeah. is is those are masterworks. Yeah. When when you get into the color Popeye stuff, I think it's a lot less interesting. Well, I will shout. I will give a shout out for there's one really great Popeye color cartoon, mm. uh, which was uh, Popeye meets Sinbad the Sailor, which is like the the movie. It's like a yeah, it's, 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 it's longer. It's pretty long. I think mm. it's like 16 minutes. But um, what's cool about it? One of the things that's really cool about it is um, they did the traditional cell animation, but a lot of the sets mm. are practical. They built like what you would have like for stop motion animation sets, and mm. then like there's like little miniatures like caves and stuff like that, and, and they, they animated the in front of it. Into that, they yeah. give it a little bit more texture. Like, and it's weird that almost no one ever did that. It's just a cool yeah. looking thing, though. It's a neat cartoon. You should totally check it out. It's, it is really frustrating that because of the machine that makes uh, animated films these days, a lot of them are CGI. Yeah, it's the bulk of animated films it's, these it's days. It's more efficient, and, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's why I react to something like Apollo 10 and a half. It's like, oh, they're actually doing something kind of interesting with the animated form, even though I've, yeah. I've seen that look before, but it's not common. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of like CG animated shows, which are like, I can tell they're good, but there's something about the animation style that I could just like, I would be so much more invested in this if this was 2D animated. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like the three, like the CG animated uh, Green Lantern cartoon. It's actually really is good. That, is that a new one? Or Relatively. Like, uh, came out like five, uh, like eight years ago, something like that. Right. Um, but it came out around the time the movie did. It was not going to be related to it. It was just sort of concurrent. Yeah. Like, when, uh, Bat- like when Batman the Animated Series came out around the same time as Tim Burton's Batman. Mm. Not the same continuity, but close enough. Yeah, well, the, you know? the animated series was modeled after Tim Burton's Yeah, Batman. it was modeled after it, but it wasn't the same. Like, that was a different Joker. That yeah. was a different Batman, that kind of thing. But it was clearly supposed to cash in the movie was so unsuccessful that the show only got one season we will do it one day and cancel too soon the writing on that show is really cool all right it's really really well written it's as good as any green lantern series could probably be in like a televised or or film medium but the animation is always just holding it back a little for me just never Mm -hmm. always feels a little clunky you know, so I don't know. What are you gonna do? Anyway, we should move on. So hopefully, hopefully those are some. Hopefully those are some suggestions. Yeah. Going yeah, going go back to uh, yeah. the, the Max Fleischer stuff. If you if yeah. you haven't seen the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons, those are excellent. Uh, avo- um, careful, some of them are super racist. The, these are movie. These are movies from the 1930s. Yeah. They're made by mm. white filmmakers that had mm. just very casually racist yeah. attitudes. Most of you're them, gonna run into some racist imagery. Most of the Superman cartoons are fine, but there's like two that are like super duper racist. Yeah. You'll figure it out quick which ones they are. One yeah, of them so, is in the title. I'm not even gonna say it out loud. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, um, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, and we talked about that when you know B- yeah. Bugs Bunny is sort of like going up against these like Japanese caricatures because yeah, it was the war and they, they tried to make them look as terrible as possible yeah, so it's it's so really really yeah. racist cartoons um, but yeah you, you get to hear like Mel Blanc using racial slurs it's the Ugh. weirdest thing yeah very, uh, disappointing yeah if you're used to what's up doc what you know watch some of these other cartoons yeah with racist titles that I'm not even going to say we're not going to say yeah uh, so yeah, some of those early thirty ones though are just wonderful nightmares of of complete swirling evil, uh, and and even though I'm not a big big fan of Walter Lance because we haven't mentioned Walter Lance yet, no, I am. Um, there's always like one or two good gags in Walter Lance cartoons. Walter Lance did uh, Woody Woodpecker and Chilly Willy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan, yeah. but he's okay. Uh, Walter Lance, uh, compared to a lot of his contemporaries, mm. visually blank just like nothing going on in a walter lance cartoon there's not no like the the shots are all very uh tight-knit the characters are always about the same size there's not mm. a lot of visual dynamism there's no like overhead shots it's always just these sort of three panel newspaper strips kind of uh, aesthetic to chili willy cartoons mm-hmm. uh some funny gags can be fit in there you know you, you try hard enough you're gonna find some funny gags but yeah walter lance I watched them as a kid just because I would watch anything that was animated. But uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't ever a big, uh, the biggest Woody Woodpecker or Chili Willy fan. Yeah. Uh, while we're on that mm. subject, you uh, uh, he did uh, Oswald the Rabbit, or at least some of them. Uh, mm. uh, you got to give a shout out to a lot of, you know, everyone gives a shout out to like uh, Disney for being such a pioneer in uh, animation. Uh, you should at least look into the filmography of Ub Iwerks, uh, who, who worked, worked for Disney. He yeah. worked for Disney, worked with Disney. He probably... Did a lot of the stuff Disney gets a lot of credit for. Then he went off on his own to try to make a, make his own career as an animator. Never quite worked out. He ended up going back to Disney for a while. Uh, it was like a whole thing. Uh, but uh, amazing animation. Hmm. Definitely worth checking out. I can't think of like a specific cartoon off the top of my head. To, hmm. uh, he did one with like a Flip flip Frog. Hmm. Is it Flippy the Frog? I don't know about Flippy the Frog. He did. He, did, uh, he worked on Skeleton Dance, which is like yeah, used that's... all the time. Everyone loves that one. Uh, but yeah, Flip the Frog. Okay, yeah. like, that, was, that was his attempt to do like his own like Mickey Mouse, yeah. yes. uh, and they're okay. But Mickey just had a stronger, I don't know, energy to it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you've seen Skeleton Dance. That, yeah. That's that one's hauled out. Super famous. It's it's in the public domain. They haul it out yeah. and throw it on any sort of late night uh, Halloween program for kids. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Iwerks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he wasn't very wanna, funny, but he was a brilliant animator. And, and if you want to go back really far, check out the works of Windsor McKay. Um, well, but, yeah. yeah that, but that's like going back yeah. to like. The source of Windsor McKay had this brilliant. He, Windsor McKay did what is considered like the first like proper like American cartoon, I think. Although it's not really, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was Gertie the dinosaur, and it was really really cool. And what he would do is he would. This is actually like 
It was a, a, a stage performance. It was a stage performance because it's not just the cartoon. You watch the cartoon and it's just this dinosaur walking through the camera, like, eating some stuff, getting it's, a small It's fun animation. It's neat yeah. animation, but the, the full show would be Windsor McKay walking out on stage saying, uh, and I'm, I'm hazily remembering and, all and this. And I've seen a film of it. Yeah. I don't think it was Windsor McKay, but it was somebody who had Windsor McKay's script. Yeah, you can do the script, but yeah. basically just someone went up on stage next to the screen and says, This is uh, Gertie the dinosaur. Yeah, I, Hello, I, Gertie. I, we've yeah. discovered dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are still alive. Meet Gertie. And then he would talk to Gertie and he would tell Gertie hmm. stuff and Gertie would laugh or interact. And then at one point, he walks behind the screen and into the cartoon and then Gertie like picks him up and throws him like in yeah, the background. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really clever. Like we really just we oh. jumped like like Winston McKay like jumped over the step where we take animation like super seriously and went right into meta humor like right away <laughs> first thing like it's really incredible. I love watching some of those old cartoons from like from the mid thirties yeah. because they're already animating animators. Yeah, like they're making cartoons within those cartoons. It's yeah. a little bizarre. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we should move on. But thank you for the opportunity to give a few other recommendations. All right. Um. Here is a letter from Sergeant Siege. It is screaming eagles oh god <laughs> thank you know this is from okay uh good evening Viz and whitney i've seen uh i've seen a game and making the rounds around social media that asks uh pick a movie keep one actor the rest are muppets this cycles through we played while, this yeah. game in our own version before, uh yeah. and i thought this would be a fun conversation fodder for we've we've got mail so mm-hmm. i'll start uh phone booth keep <laughs> Kiefer sutherland <laughs> as the sniper everyone else are muppets <laughs> Colin Farrell has been replaced by Gonzo. Nice. Uh, thanks for the hours of fine podcasting you do each and every week. Sincerely, Sergeant Siege and the Screaming Eagles. Uh, I have, thank you for that. Mm. I have been suggesting a few films uh-huh. uh, along those lines for a long time because uh, when I was around eight or nine, whenever, give or take, mm. that's when The Muppet Christmas Carol came out. And between The Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island, and to a lesser extent, Muppet Wizard of Oz, but no one cares. Uh, the Muppets for like my generation for about 10 years were people who adapted classic lit. Mm. And so the idea of using the Muppets to adapt a famous work is fair game. And not only can it be funny, but can actually be very touching. You know, Mm. Muppet Christmas Carol is a genuinely good Christmas Carol. So that, and that one works. mm. What is it? It's Michael Caine and Muppets. Boom. Done. Yeah. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island isn't as uh, faithful to the source material. No. Uh, but you know it, it has all the characters and all yeah. the elements. So well, I'm but, fine with that. Ben, Treasure, ben Gunn is now Miss Piggy. It's okay, fine. Tre- Treasure Island. I love Treasure Island. I grew up reading Treasure Island. Uh-huh. Uh, Treasure Island. There's not as much to it as there is to a Christmas Carol. It's yeah, it's a pulpy adventure novel with like a really strong central relationship yeah, between and, Long John and the, Silver and, um, and Jim Hawkins. Uh, and Jim Hawkins. Yeah, like that. That's a great central relationship. The plot's really really cool. Like it, it all and works. They, it's a great adventure. There were but there's not a lot have, of depth really. There were wise in Muppet Treasure Island to have Jim Hawkins and. John Silver be the human yeah. actors. Those are the ones with whom yet yeah, they, they was, are the ones who form a connection. Yeah, and, yeah. and Kermit was Captain Smollett. They didn't make Kermit into Jim no, Hawkins. I think it would have been a mistake to do yeah. so. Uh, so no, I think they did a good job. So that one, that one you justified having to. But my point is, is this: there's a few films that I think have been aching to be made in this vein. One Look, of which I've said a million times mm. before: Muppet Dracula. M- Muppet Dracula with Tom Hardy as Dracula. Tom, Tell me Tom you can't Hardy, see it. Oscar Isaac for me, but uh, I think... Oh, no, but they both be good. They both I, be good. I still need... Tom Hardy would bring a weird sexual energy to it. I suppose so. So when he's, like, trying to seduce Miss Piggy, you know he's, like... Because... Because Oscar Isaac would seduce Miss Piggy, but he'd do it in a sort of a Gene Kelly kind of uh, uh, lithe, mm. kind of romantic kind of way. Tom Hardy would be like all over her. <laughs> like he would be like, he, you know, like, he's this is the guy who like, it was his idea to jump in the lobster tank in Venom. He's going to like put <laughs> Miss Piggy in his mouth and like run around the stage with her, with her like her neck in his mouth. Like, and I want to see that. <laughs> It would be amazing. The, uh, the, the no-brainer for me is why, oh, why have they not done a Midsummer Night's Dream? Uh, that, yeah. Because you, uh, you, have, you have the, because uh, there's the three stories. There's the royals, there's mm. the lovers, and there's the fairies. And Who, uh, who isn't the Muppet, though? Well, the royals, clearly. Um, Theseus and Hippolyta are human, human actors. What about Oberon and uh, oh, uh, Titania? Uh, I guess... Uh, the the and the I guess you know what the human care the lovers are humans the fairies uh, are muppets that's what you do Oberon and Titania okay. are, are muppets as well okay uh, but uh, it's a little complicated but okay uh, Helena Hermia um, uh, yeah. Lysander and uh, Demetrius, Demetrius are all the yeah. uh, are are human actors yeah mm, what about so so who, wait so if that's the case then who's um 
bottom is a bottom he gets turned into an ass on the players yeah the players okay but that's Um, a lot of people then well uh, you got a lot of muppets don't you i guess the player the players are also muppets well the other one i think and this isn't a little how about about the players are all muppets except for bottom and bottom gets turned into a muppet now now you're talking now you're talking i like that uh i've also suggested in terms of going back to movies those are talking Mm -hmm. about lit uh movies uh Mm -hmm. muppet star wars only luke skywalker you get you get <laughs> Tom like the, Holland the to play kind, Luke Skywalker. They kind of did that with Pigs in Space anyway. Yeah, no, but so, yeah. now you do it feature length. Okay, it's already canon. Like so, you do is only Tom Holland is human. No one else. Everyone else is a Muppet. It works yeah. perfectly. And Tom Holland is your casting for Luke Skywalker. I think so because you want uh, someone. You want you want like a star who's like kind of a get. Like you're like, ooh, okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because he's not actually replacing Luke Skywalker. He's just doing Luke Skywalker fair, in fair, this. Yeah. And then, like, if we, and what we do is we would do basically like the whole trilogy in like one movie, like mm. one long movie, like two and a half uh, hours. Just do the first Star Wars. Well, you can do just Star Wars. Yeah. My point is this. And then when when you get to, uh, when you get when you finish the trilogy, mm. if you want to do the prequels, then only Anakin is human. <laughs> there you go. That's and good. then when he puts on, but when he puts on like the Darth Vader helmet, he that's when he in. becomes like I don't know Sweetums or something. I don't know. Like well, Darth Vader would be. I don't think who Darth Vader would be. Like who? Who is the Darth Vader Muppet? Uh, well, Uncle Dudley's got to be the. Emperor. I was going to say I can't be Uncle Dudley. He's clearly the emperor. Clearly the emperor. Uh, I, like Gonzo would look good in the yeah. in the mask, and I think they did do Gonzo yeah. as Darth Vader on Pigs in Space. They had, but I think he, he uh, I think Gonzo and Rizzo or Pepe or one of mm. those two, they have to be C three PO and R two D two. Yeah, you're right. There, there you're are right. there are windows into this mm. story. They have to be that. So I would say for like Darth Vader, Sam the Eagle. <laughs> Can you imagine just Sam the Eagle all like decked out in like sleek shiny black cape? I, <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. I'm going to leave the room now. <laughs> See, yeah, you're already laughing. It's great. I, I can't Perfect. do a Sam the Eagle voice. No, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Am I? <laughs> all right, so we got we got one though. Let's come up with like at least two more. All right. Uh, let's see. Like, I, I like the idea of classic lit. Um, that's just something because I think they did mm. they did three of those two three uh, classic books. In yeah. Muppet, Muppet fashion, and two of them were really good. The third yeah. one wasn't so well, good. I th- I think Mupp- th- Muppet Wizard of Oz wasn't so great. Oh, and the thing is, is that all of those um, had classic movie adaptations as well. It's just going to be something mm. iconic, so yeah. that the audience is already kind of familiar with the story, and it doesn't really matter if they're learning if they're seeing it again through the Muppets. It's not like this is your first introduction to yeah. blank. Uh, I would love to see something like Muppet Godfather. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally serious about this, and of course, Don, and of course, Don Corleone is the only human actor, uh, and. My, I'd say Michael. You think Michael? Michael. It's and, funnier if it's Michael. Michael and and uh, Don, and Don no, because Michael's no. Michael can't be Kermit. Kermit can't be no. Can't no, be no. corrupted like that. So yeah, I don't know who Kermit would be then. Uh, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't have Kermit like beating up a guy in the street. Kermit. Okay, here's Kermit. Kermit. Kermit is Kermit is the consigliere. Kermit is Robert Duvall. There you go. And okay. you'd have to. Um, of course, you'd have to. It couldn't be like. Muppets gunning each other down. Wow. It would have to be like Bugsy Malone where they replace it with yeah. pies or something. Yeah, they're shooting uh, Nerf guns or but something. But that kind of a story, that you, you, could, you could do a Muppet version that of The Godfather. That'd be mm. very funny. I'm not going to lie. That's 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 really good, Whitney. Mm. <laughs> oh, he... Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, I, I, know, I, like, I know like murder is a big part of that movie. Yeah. And and you could do... They had murders in Muppet Treasure Island as oh, well. Oh, yeah. You, and they even say like, wait, can we have a dead body? This is a Muppet movie. What are we doing? Yeah, he, <laughs> like, oh, that's, Rizzo <laughs> says, he died? This is supposed to be a kid's movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> uh, you, do, you, do good, you do good Muppet. Uh, you do good Muppet. Um, I'm trying to think. There's got to be like... Oh my god! Hmm. <laughs> it's too soon since they've already done a version of it, but hmm. it would be great. Hmm. Muppet on the Orient Express. <laughs> like a, have a Poirot? Would Poirot be the human? Poirot is the human. Okay. No, Poirot has got to be Gonzo and Rizzo. Gonzo and Rizzo, or Gonzo and Pepe. I know they're trying to make that thing happen. I'm hmm. fine with it. I don't know who's the human. Ah, it, like, the human's the victim. Oh, there you go. The human is the victim. The human is uh, no. The hu- okay. There's two humans. There's the victim, oh. and then there's, and the, there's that, the killer. No, no, not the kill. Not the killer. You get it's uh um. There's there's that one guy who like follows Poro around. Oh, he's kind of what book book. Yeah, book. he's he's the human. B o u c book. He, yeah. And he's the human. And he's just okay. a he's just a respectable get of it, like a Martin Freeman type or something. Yeah, or or the same actor who played Book in uh, uh, yeah, Brothers. I would distance crossover. Myself, I would distance myself from it, but sure. You or, know? or get Brana <laughs> to play Book. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, you you that know would be you know Brana would kill it next to some Muppets. That would be <laughs> Kenneth Brana's Muppet Hamlet. 
See, Muppet Shakespeare would be really great. Muppet Shakespeare's funny, dude. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. We'll do one more letter and then we'll move on. But this is <laughs> always a treat. Right. I keep waiting for a new good Muppet project. I don't know when it's coming, but hopefully someday. I mean, I, I did like when they, they tried to sort of revitalize the Muppets in, mm. in like, it was 2011 when they did that. When Jason Siegel did the movie. The, uh, Jason Siegel movie's good. It was just called The Muppets, and that's a good movie. Jason, that's a very good movie. It, it felt, uh, like, I like the music in that movie a lot. Yeah. As uh, um, Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords did the songs. Won an really Oscar. Great. He won an Oscar for great it. Great stuff. Uh, I, I told I him like he they, would win an Oscar. I, was, I, I like interviewed him and said, you're going to win an Oscar for these songs. And they got like, the, don't jinx it. I'm like, no. Nah, they got the spirit of the Muppets, but I felt like they were maybe a little too self-aware about the kind of project they were making. They, they were a little were making, too careful about the brand of what they wanted they the Muppets were, to be. I think they did that on purpose, and I think I will give I will give uh, Muppets Most Wanted hmm. credit for moving away from that. Yeah, and just dude. doing a Muppet movie. I don't. I think it's a particularly good Muppet movie. It's pretty funny. But, but like they did a Muppet movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like mid tier Muppets. It's mid tier yeah. Muppets. It's definitely not lower tier Muppets. Like it's it's funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that uh, Office, the Office spinoff show that they did, was it, actually like it's had a rough start. By well, about when, when seven they, episodes in, it got good. When they changed showrunners, it yeah. became good. Like they actually like figured like, out like, like be, if you like if you like uh, gave up on that uh, the Muppets sitcom show they did about ten years ago mm. uh, because it wasn't very good. Go back to it. Mm. It's okay if you skip ahead a few episodes, but just, or just sit through like the first like handful because they're like they're okay, but they're not good. It gets really good in the second half of season one. Like it's legitimately rock solid Muppets. Yeah, and it's a damn shame that they gave up, that they quit on it before it had a chance to really go somewhere. And, and the title was just Muppets, if I recall. Not like, even with a like the, a period at yeah. the end, yeah, something like that. Because uh, uh, it was a spoof of The Office. Uh, here's a letter from Jeremy. Hi, Hi Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. To start my letter, I would like to bring up a few Looney Tunes animated shorts okay. that I feel were absent from your lists. There's um, many, so please. If I were to make a list, I would admit uh, I, I would cheat and make my number 10 all the Roadrunner and Coyote shorts combined. I actually uh, thought about doing that, but I thought it was too much of a cheat. Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't pick just one. Like, which one's got a funnier anvil yeah, gag? They're, they're, like, they're, all, all, they're all pretty terrific. You know, yeah. uh, they're all indistinguishable. Um, they're all indistinguishable from the other others but i do adore them yeah uh but the two that i feel were omissions were uh baton bunny and the rabbit of seville i, th- yeah. I think we talked about the rabbit of seville, we mentioned it list. we yeah. mentioned it briefly and i think rabbit of seville occupies that rarefied what's opera doc state where it's kind of like it's pretty well perfect, regarded yeah. but we probably should have given it at least yeah. as much of a mention as we did what's opera uh, there are two reasons i choose to get a degree in musical composition john williams film score scores and looney tunes shorts yeah and for the animated shorts uh, that time gags flawlessly with musical cues there is none finer than the baton bunny and the rabbit of seville i won't bother reminding you that the rabbit of seville because you briefly mentioned it on your iron list episode mm. but if you need a refresher on which one is baton bunny it's the one where bugs is conducting an orchestra and becomes distracted by a fly that keeps buzzing around him mm. the orchestra responds by uh, every response to every irritated gesture by bugs until the unflappable bugs just loses his shit trying to kill this goddamn motherfucking fly and the <laughs> and the expense of not just the instruments in the orchestra but the audience who abandons the performance now onto the actual reason i decided to write this email uh let me set the scene you're sitting in the hall of a medical building there are offices for general practitioners and various medical specialists. A member of the medical team greets you and ushers you both into a large room where there is a large chair that looks something like a dentist's chair that backs uh, backs into something that looks like an MRI machine that is big enough for a human head. On the wall, you see pictures of satisfied customers. Okay. One is a wild-looking man in a Hawaiian t-shirt looking sad while gazing into a picture of Kate Winslet. And another is a man who looks like the former governor of California, who may or may not be a cybernetic killbot from the future. What's going on? A technician approaches and welcomes you with a kind smile. They tell you that if you choose, they can erase all memory of a film that you have seen for 24 hours so you can rewatch it as if you have had no previous knowledge and can thus experience it all for the first time. Oh, God. Okay. This, th- this could have gone so much creepier than that. <laughs> I was really worried for a minute. While they're removing your intestines with a ah! fish hook. Uh, no. <laughs> They have a theater next door with a quantum projector that will draw out from a negative space wedgie or whatever movie you pick. <laughs> so you can have the full theatrical experience. Concessions can be picked up from a food replicator on the wall. Okay, so you can recreate it. You can have the perfect yeah. experience, yeah. yeah. Before any of you can make uh, an objection about getting your brains accidentally scrambled, the technician turns, uh, turns to you with a reassuring smile and says, And don't worry. I know what I'm doing. I'm a shipper receiver from Canada who works with musical instruments. Yes, I just dropped myself into the story for no good reason. <laughs> cool. Okay, we trust you. Uh, sure. So what movie do you pick? Do you choose something with a twist? Do you pick a horror movie to relive the jump scares for the first time? Do you 
pick Pure Spectacle. And for anyone who may get uppity about potential spoilers, don't worry. There's enough juice in the chair for you to wink. But yeah, please don't worry about spoilers. I would love to hear your honest answers. Hope you guys are doing well and see you on the other side of the the scary door. <laughs> Yoinks and away. <laughs> Sincerely, nice. Jeremy. And there's also a postscript. Uh, since Ever since you guys brought up that one romance book at the start of your podcast, it's your Fabio book. Oh, uh, I can't get it out of my head. Bibs, Bibs, if your partner ever choose to propagate, I wish to submit the name <laughs> Fabio Bibiani Lopez da Silva for consideration for baby names. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that you put Michelle's last name properly last yeah. uh, because it would be. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, uh, it's funny. I've actually gotten this question, not as nearly as elaborate, but I've gotten this question a few times before. Like if you could er- erase a yeah. film from your memory because... and experience it for the first time. Because there are certain films that, um, you know, they, they, they change upon watching them. The, mm. op, the act of discovering a movie for the first time can be really mm. uh, enrapturing. And it, I, we sometimes talk about how, like, you know, sometimes there's this attitude where, like, oh, you never saw 2001 A Space Odyssey? Well, mm. how dare you? But that's not healthy. What's healthier is, congratulations, you get to watch it for the first time. What an exciting mm. experience that's going to be for you. And there's a few times when I wish I could go back and just watch something for the very first time with really fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. There's three movies that I can't decide between. Okay. Uh, one is one of the first like classic movies I ever saw. I loved it then, and every time I've rewatched it, I've discovered something new about it. Uh, but I, it's been so long, I can, can't really remember like exactly what it was like to go through the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And that's Citizen Kane. Okay. It's so depth. It's so it's got so much depth. It's, it's so rich, and there's so much uh, exciting filmmaking in it that to watch it for the first time would probably just blow my fucking mind. Mm. Uh, two, uh, also great filmmaking, but a twist uh, is Psycho. Okay, to, to watch Psycho for the first time, having no idea what's going on. That, that would be. I, I might be choose something one. like Psycho, just yeah. like something with a, uh, like a story reveal that I'm not familiar with yet. Uh, there's a yeah, and there's actually we, we reached an interesting point with Psycho because there was for a while there. Um, everyone knew the ending of Psycho, even if you'd never seen Psycho, just yeah, because it was kind of la- famous. Lampooned everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and then there were sequels, and they kind of like, you know, they were, they were well advertised, so you kind of just got the gist of it. We've reached a point now where there's enough generations removed that some people don't know that. And actually, it is like a little more rarefied, and they're actually going to get that full experience, and I envy that. Good for them. And the other one, this isn't a twist. It's a classic movie, but in a different way, I think, than Citizen Kane. It would be cool if you could not just erase... The experience of watching the movie, but all of my cultural memories like surrounding it, mm. because not some movies are more than movies, you know. Like you can't just like, I to watch Spider Man for the first time would be one thing. To watch Spider Man and not know who Spider Man was would be even more exciting. Oh, there you go. So I would be fascinated to watch for the very first time, mm. knowing nothing, not a goddamn thing about it. Uh-huh. Don't know anything about the sequels or the spinoffs or the. Or the YouTube videos about it, or the Twitter conversations. What would it be like to watch Star Wars: A New Hope, knowing nothing? They're nothing about Star Wars. Just like oh, it's about it's a star. Are the stars mad at each other? How does this work? What sort of mm. new hope is available to these planetoids? Mm. I'm curious. I uh... hit play. <laughs> It'd be no, fascinating. No. Yeah, you'd have to sort of erase a lot of chunk because I didn't see Star mm. Wars until later, relatively later in my life. I was eighteen when I first saw it, yeah. and uh, I didn't like grow up rewatching it. I, yeah. I graduated high school, and then then I watched uh, Star Wars that summer. Uh, but you didn't but, go in a vacuum. But yeah, the thing is, I I because it was just sort of around Star yeah. Wars was such this pervasive cultural experience, and. Uh, You'd seen like the uh, Muppet yeah. Babies episodes about it and stuff like that. Yeah, or, yeah. Muppet Babies, Pigs in Space, yeah. uh, read along books, references in everything, yeah. clips on in in you know, on TV and stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, friends and acting lines of dialogue. Mm. I knew every detail of Star Wars before I saw the movie. It's an institution. Yeah, exactly. like yeah. I'd seen the movie by the time I actually watched the movie for the first time. It was almost like a formality. It's like okay, now I'll just kind of yeah. see it to have it get to have it be done, even though I know the story and all the twists. Yeah, that's uh, a great movie, but it's it's not the same, is it? Oh, that, that first one is my favorite. Yeah, but but, uh, to, but to so be able to watch the, uh, it opening weekend, no, having only maybe seen the poster. So would I be really would I great. be erasing just the experience of having watched it, or would That's I have all question. that other experience? If I can erase the whole experiences, I think I'd go Star Wars. If I mm. can't, I'm only erasing memories of watching mm. the movie. I do Citizen Kane or Psycho. I can't decide which. Uh, the thing about like erasing a movie and seeing it for the first time fresh is it's rare that a movie 
grabs me the first time. Mm. Often, one of my favorite movies are things that I've considered for a little while. I've watched mm. them as like, oh, that was really funny. But sometimes the high will wear off and I'll like not really give it another mind. It's like, oh, that was mm. really, really fun. Okay, I'm mm. kind of done thinking about that now. Sometimes I see it and I'm vaguely impressed, but then it's not until I've sort of thought about it, maybe watched it a second time, that it becomes one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I build up this sort of affection for it over time. I think if I were to erase my memory and watch it again for the first time, I wouldn't be fall in love with it the same way I had over the course of a long period of time. Well, it's also worth noting that, you know, a lot of the movies that we fall in love with for one reason or another, a lot of them are because of when we saw them. Yeah, when exactly. Did you saw them when in your formative experience. Mm-hmm. Like, watch it. Okay, let's say, for example, uh, I erased the memory of watching The Maltese Falcon. Okay. Well, it was a great movie. It'd be cool to watch it again for the first time, having no idea the twist at the end with the Falcon and all that kind of stuff. Uh, however, I've still seen stuff that was influenced by it. I still have seen other film noirs. I've seen L.A. Confidential. I've seen uh, The Big Sleep. I've seen all these other things. And uh, as a result, it, you know, Maltese Falcon was one of the first film noirs I ever saw. Mm. I don't think it was the first, but it was right up there. So it's not going to have that, like, you know, explosive impact of being, like, your first experience with something. Um Sometimes you watch things that are just come along at the right point in your life. I think it was uh, Gene Siskel's favorite movie was Saturday Night Fever. Mm. I don't even think he thought it was the best movie ever made, but he needed it when he saw it. Mm. And it was really important to him. Uh, if he saw that when he was 50, it probably wouldn't have the same impact, but right. it wouldn't be his favorite movie. Well, you know? I'd be interested to, like, if, if I take a movie that I like grew up loving, and I grew up loving it because I saw it many times as a, as a youth, Yeah, uh, my tastes have changed. Yeah. I erase my memory. I say, okay, I've instructed you to erase my memory of this movie. I'm going to see it for the first time. Yeah. I might laugh at my youthful self. It's like, this is my favorite movie. Is, is it? Really? Th- this yeah. one? This huh. this one right now. You're telling huh. me that br- I was obsessed with brain donors and I recommended this one a lot? <laughs> Actually, brain donors. Probably you you'd probably laugh, think yeah. brain donors was funny, but you know, maybe not the best example. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of films sort of influenced my sense of humor. So yeah. it's like, would I be refilling the same gap? Um, but you know what we're doing? We're doing the sci-fi thing where we're like overthinking like the, the logistics. Guess what? We watched Star Trek. That's our Metier. I, I, uh, God, you, just, you said Metier. You finish your drink. You just said Metier. <laughs> so <laughs> what? I get to do that. I don't say you it's don't. I'm word. saying everyone should finish your drink. I'm not saying you mm. should be boozing it up. Mm. But if you have a Pepsi in your hand, go ahead and finish that bad boy. <laughs> um... So um, what would you pick? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you've actually picked one. No, I haven't. I don't think I have an answer. You don't have. You, you wouldn't just 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 stop overthinking it. Just be like, what would be cool just to see for the first time because, um, you know, it was a cool twist, or maybe it was uh, just a really funny film and the gags aren't old mm. now. Like watching Airplane for the first time would probably be really funny, right? Yeah, or, or Holy Grail. Some of those. Yeah. Some of those. Oh my god, films, that's a yeah. great pick, Holy Grail. Like, I, I get the, I guess those jokes. Like I memorized Mon- that. Monty movie. Python and the Holy Grail. I think I would want to watch again for the first time. That's that, a great pick. That would. I think that would still make me laugh, uh, the, regardless. Yeah, that ninety-eight percent of that movie still works. Mm. Yeah, I, great. Great choice. Boom. You did it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> That's it for We've Got Mail this week. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. We're sorry if we didn't get to your email. Uh, feel free to write in again if it's uh, super important or maybe timely, which sometimes happens. People want to say, like, happy birthday to somebody or something like that. Uh, make sure you, like, either, like, put something in the headline, let us know that it's timely, or you can always give Whitney Seibold a nudge on Twitter. He's at Whitney Seibold. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see it. Okay, uh, I'm at William Bibiani. Together we're at Critically Acclaimed. Uh, sorry, we're at Critic Acclaimed. Critic Acclaimed. Critically Acclaimed was too long for Twitter. Uh, but if you want to email us, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And we have a P.O. box. And Whitney Seibold, what is that? Uh, yeah, send us an actual physical letter. Uh, Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And until the day comes when we get so much like snail mail that it becomes unwieldy if you write us a letter we we will read it <laughs> yeah right, right now we're if you receiving, go through the effort right we will now definitely we're receiving a few enough physical letters that we yeah. read them all when we get them yeah. uh we can't promise so, that if everyone takes advantage if, of that we'll continue to be able we, yeah. to read every single one but if we if you do actually write us a physical letter we will read it unless it's like i don't know weirdly profane or something like that like <laughs> i guess we can't make that promise but that's our goal basically yeah. 
Um, yeah, and of course I mentioned the Twitter, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. That's where you can hear our Star Trek podcast, reviewing every single episode of Star Trek ever. We just released a new episode of Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We've got commentary tracks. We just scheduled our latest online hangout for the month. Whole bunch of stuff over there. Thank you to all of our patrons for keeping the show going. We couldn't do it without you. We wouldn't want to. Um, and thank you everybody who wrote in. And, um, I guess that's that. That's that. Sincerely yours, Bibson Whitney. Thank you.